Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Darius Faru Show. This is a special episode because on this episode, Derek Sivers joined me for a conversation. Now, if you don't know Derek, he's a writer, thinker, speaker, a musician, and also the founder of CD Baby, which is an online distributor of independent music. And Derek has been writing on the web since 2009. And he also published a book called Anything You Want, which is on my reading list on my website. And in that book, he shares everything that he learned from starting, growing, and uh, selling CD Baby, the company that he founded. But on this episode, we didn't talk about careers or business. We talked about life, and we talked about philosophy. We talked about spending time on your own. We talked about figuring out how to decide to move on from something that's going on in your life. Uh, we talked about a lot of things that I write about on my blog and Derek also writes about. And Derek is actually one of the few authors and bloggers that I consistently follow. And I've pretty much read everything that he's published on his blog. And you know, it's, it's pretty funny because on this episode we didn't talk about his bio and his story because he already talked about that stuff. And if you're not familiar with his work, I recommend you to check out his uh, his bio on his website on sivers.org slash about or listen to the episode that he did with um, Tim Ferriss on his podcast a few years ago. I have to say, I truly enjoy talking to Derek and I could tell that his answers uh, to the questions that I asked him were so thoughtful and that he spent some time thinking about the things that we talked about. And that is, to me, very unique in this world. Most people get on podcasts to sell something. They have a hidden agenda. And that is one of the reasons that I stopped interviewing people on my podcast. Now, this time is different because Derek has nothing to sell. We had a conversation about topics that I know that my readers and listeners are also thinking about. Now, I simply, just by listening to Derek speak, got a lot of energy out of it. And I hope that you got the same feeling. And as I was listening to the podcast, as I was doing some editing and audio engineering, I thought to myself, wow, there are a lot of questions that I didn't ask. That's because he just gives so much value or so much information in his answers that you could endlessly talk to him so enough uh, <laughs> positive talk uh, you probably want to listen for yourself and see you know is Darius what is Darius actually talking about so let's get to the episode so I was uh, reading your now page you said I checked in on my email list and over 6,000 people replied so I just finished replying to all 6,000 emails. And what comes after that was very interesting to me um, because we're now in the middle of the coronavirus uh, crisis. And you said many have already had the virus sickness and come out on the other side. Many are devastated and can't pay next month's rent. I'm immersed in their stories and almost devastated from the stress, but also thankful for the connection. So, you know, I've been following your work for about five years now and my impression is always that you're someone who truly cares and this email just shows this as well to me so I was really wondering have you always been this way 
Hmm. I think I feel very, very thankful for the people that I know through my mailing list. Um, it's not just the usual blast. It's not just the usual one-sided, like, hey, put your email address here and then I'll blast my junk to you. Um, it's a two-way conversation. Everybody who signs up to my email list, uh, I send them a little question a week later. I just kind of look through it and I see if any names look familiar. And if I don't know who it is, I send out a little email saying, who are you? Like, tell me something about yourself. Where are you? And I keep track of this stuff. And people tell me what they do and where they are. And I think, okay, cool. Now I know a photographer in Berlin. Berlin, That's pretty cool. And this guy is making guitar pedals in Slovenia. That's pretty cool. And I keep track of this stuff. So I know where people are. And then when I'm traveling, I often look up people on my mailing list that I know in that area. So I, uh, a few months ago, I just went to Helsinki out of the blue on an impulse. There was a cheap flight leaving that day. So I said, yeah, hopped on a flight that day to Helsinki uh, on a whim and got in at midnight and uh, sent some emails to people on my mailing list that were in Helsinki saying, hey, I'm here. You want to meet up? And the next day I was sitting half naked in a spa with some dude on my, uh, from my <laughs> mailing list. So, um, these are, yeah, they're not just names on a list to me. They're real people that I hope to meet someday. And yeah, I don't know most of them, but I know a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I've hundreds and hundreds of them I've met in person not just in saunas, but, you know, <laughs> just at conferences or events or whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, I care about the people on my list, but I would not describe myself as a caring person in general. Mm -hmm. I actually kind of feel bad about this. I don't care about most things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care about politics. I don't care about anything that's in the news. Like if I look at a newspaper, I just I can look at all of it, and I'm like, I I don't care. I don't care about any of this. I don't care about anything that's on social media. It's all just lost on me. It's why I don't have any social media apps on my phone. I basically never look at Twitter. I've never ever look at Instagram. I don't even have a Facebook account. I just don't care. Mm. Uh, but I do care about the people that I know, and I care about the people on my list. And uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, the the funny thing to me is that the things that you mentioned, social media and the news and all the other stuff, is very uh, like a, a superficial way to care. I've been reading a lot of things. Uh, kindness is like many topics that uh, are popular uh, <laughs> at times. I've been seeing a lot of articles about kindness recently. I don't know if you noticed this as well, but uh -uh. when I look at it, it just seems that people just... Um, just say it because it's cool or, you know? <laughs> right, right. And and that type of superficial caring is is um, is not very useful to me as well. But I find it quite difficult to, uh, to just to keep tabs on all these things. Did you did you learn this along the way or was this, have you like... No. Okay, so thinking more about your question, um, I think I have a strong sense of the overserved and the underserved. So maybe that's part of why things in the news and social media don't interest me at all and current events don't interest me because I feel like 
everybody's focused on that, right? Mm. Millions and millions and millions or probably billions of people are focused on what's going on in the news today, what some stupid politician said today, Mm. what silly celebrity outrage is going on today. I feel like billions of people are watching that. But then there's other stuff that I feel is being underserved. So I see myself as having a role in the world and I think of myself in relation to others. So all this stuff that everybody else is paying attention to, I think, okay, I, I don't need to worry about that. Brighter minds are already paying attention to that. I'm going to pay attention to these little things over here that I feel like nobody else is worried about or taking care of or paying attention to. And that just feels like it balances out uh, my world. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so there are a lot of things that you don't care about. Right. right. Almost, I, almost everything <laughs> I don't care about. Yeah. That, that, but because yeah. I guess I'm, I get the feeling like you're asking why. Like yeah, you say, exactly. have you always been yeah, this like, way? Is I, this in your DNA, you think? Is this some, or is this something that you learned? But I think that's, that's what I'm trying to answer. Yeah. It's like the, I, I don't know uh, what's in my DNA. I don't, I don't know if this is something I learned or if this is nature versus nurture, but I do suspect that it comes from this thing I'm trying to describe where... Mm. I I actively don't care about things that I feel like plenty of other people do care about. Like that's already taken care of. I don't need to care about that. Lots of people care about that. Ah, okay. So you you take your energy and you spend it this way. Right. Mm. Yeah. The things I do care about are the things that feel to me like they don't have enough people that care about these things. Hmm. Well, that's the, that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people are also attracted to to your work is because you you just do it because you want and you don't need the attention or you don't need anything <laughs> you don't need to sell any sell anything yeah. And, yeah. and 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 that that's what I really love about um, this whole message and it's, I read the art, your article about being meta considerate mm-hmm. and just basically and this is something that I've learned in recent years is that just by taking care of yourself and making sure that you are, you know, emotionally stable and got your shit together, right? Uh, you're not being a burden to the people around you. And from that point of view, you're actually taking care of the people who are in your life, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And we all have different things that we care about and nobody can make you care about Something you don't care about, you know, every now and then. I mean, of course, lots of times people uh, come to us, usually digitally, and try to make us care about their issue. You know, Mm -hmm. they say, we're trying to save the, Mm -hmm. you know, God, I remember years ago, there was, um, there was this club, a a music venue in New York City called CBGB's. And I never liked CBGB's. <laughs> um, I think I felt personally slighted by them because back when I was a full-time musician in New York City, I kept trying to play CBGB's and I'd often contact their uh, the booking guy and like they would never book my band at CBGB's. <laughs> and then years later, CBGB's was going out of business and people were like, no, we must save CBGB's. They're like, Derek, you have to help support our cause to save CBGB's. I was like, mm, sorry, nope. <laughs> That's nope. just, I'm happy you care about that, but I... I I cannot. I do not care about that. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's uh, also a stoic way to look at it, right? 
Is it? Yeah. Oh. It's, well, How do you think it? It's like you just focus on what's inside your control, and you like at this at this point, there's not much you can do, right? Mm. The, well, there's that too. You have to feel that that caring will actually make a difference. Mm, yeah. Something like that, where it's like, okay, there's this nightclub that's been around for a few decades, and I get the feeling it's going out of business. And no matter what we do to uh, kick and scream, I think it's going to go out of business anyway. You know. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand. What am I going to do? Contribute a thousand dollars to saving CBGBs? It's like, well, man, yeah. there are a lot of people in the world that like a thousand dollars could save their life. Mm. You know that that matters a lot more to me than saving CBGBs. You know, so yeah. and what you said just earlier about um, that your help should uh, make a contribution or that that it's actually useful. I definitely can relate to that. Is that if I see an opportunity to, you know, provide you know, help or make a contribution, I always think about, is this actually making an impact? For example, uh, last year I started making some YouTube videos because, you know, people ask me, oh, do you make videos? And I was like, well, well, that's maybe a good idea. Let's try that. I started doing that, but I noticed that compared to my blog and podcast, I was reaching a lot more people and, you know, helping a lot more people compared to the videos. So at some point I was like, you know, the videos are not that helpful to right. people, you know. So I stopped just based from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. You have to feel that it's worth your time, that it's it's having an impact. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point too. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. You talk about the underserved. I, I remember years ago in the first, like the 2008 financial collapse that I decided to donate money to like a nature preservation thing. Because I figured that like nature preservation is something people only donate to when they really feel like they've got plenty of money. All their basic <laughs> needs are met. So suddenly, in the midst of a financial collapse, I thought, you know, I'll bet these organizations that are really doing good work to preserve nature are probably not getting any donations right now. Mm. So I think now it's up to me to donate to the Nature Conservation Society. Mm. Uh, and I did, and that felt better because I felt like I'm I'm helping where it needs help. But I really like those, uh, what is it? There's a, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name. There's an organization out there that does some kind of metrics uh, to show you what is the most efficient use of your charity money. Mm. Like if you feel like you can afford to donate money to charity, then they've analyzed the internal workings of a bunch of organizations and they can say oh. uh, pretty objectively, this this organization is saving the most lives per dollar. Wow. And so therefore the most efficient use of your money or the best bang per buck yeah. is, to, uh, is to contribute to this organization. And I, I like that idea where you can feel, feel good. But it, it, for most of us, in our life, we have to pick our own things that we feel are worth mm. turning our attention to. Like you just said about your videos. If you feel like mm, they're not getting enough of an audience and it's taking a lot of work, well, then, yeah, it's probably not the best to use your time unless you have some inherent love of doing it. And that comes back to the art versus commerce thing. You know, are mm. you doing it for your own need versus for the marketplace? That is, yeah, that, that is also one of, you know, one of the things that people often ask me about is, um, why do you just keep on uh, publishing 
free articles or whatever. And it's just for me, like the the writing stuff is uh, a way to basically uh, learn for me. I, I, as I'm writing, I'm learning. You know, like, like you said, art versus commerce. Uh, you know, at some point, you don't look at the commerce anymore, and you just yeah. look at uh, what you get out of it. And also, not only you know, I don't know how about you, but with writing, I finally found something that is uh, both satisfying to me, but also to other people. And I found that combination is very um, satisfying. You know, that that gives yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah, I agree. Um, one, one thing that I just noticed as well um, was that you're quite contrarian, right? When, when people go left, you go right, like with the example. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. not always, but uh, the the few examples that we talked about, right? Yeah. The, the giving money to charities, uh, caring. Uh, other people are focused on the superficial stuff. Um, is, is being contrarian a, a strategy for you? Or, or, or again, is this something just like we talked about earlier with the caring? I think that one is nature. That one, I feel like I've always been that way. I remember even as a kid, if I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that are being like silly and goofy, then it makes me feel like being very serious. And if I'm around a bunch of people that are being much too serious then it makes me feel like being silly. <laughs> I, I think I feel... I've actually talked with friends about this since high school, and, and I think we, we've we described it as balancing out the energy of the room. You know, it's... I, um, I don't know where it started. I don't know if it's purely nature. This is just like something that's in our DNA. And it's interesting, because I've got an eight-year-old kid now, and so I've noticed that there are definitely some things... Mm that have been a part of his personality since he was born. Yeah. And they're things that I thought would just be like nurture learned things. But no, he has always been that way. Uh, so maybe I've always been this way. Maybe it was partially shaped by the fact that, um, I don't know if you felt this way, like moving to Netherlands after mm -hmm. you were born. But uh, when I was five years old, I started moving around the world a lot. My dad just had the kind of job that like when I was five, we moved to England and I was... Uh, everywhere I went, I was not from here, you know, so that just became part of my identity. Like, I'm not one of you people. I'm not from here. Your rules don't apply to me. Uh, so maybe that shaped my definition. But no, I think it's I get the feeling like it's some kind of nurture thing, almost like um, sorry, like a nature thing, mm. kind of like introvert, extrovert. Are you the kind of person that wants to join in the energy of the people around you or yeah. the kind of person that wants to? Uh, react against the energy or the vibe of the people around you. So, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely... It's not a, a deliberate strategy unless... Sorry, <laughs> let me take this back. No, it's good. When it comes to my writing, mm. then I feel... Like, well, of course, why would I put something out into the world that's already been said? I'm not just here making noise for noise's sake, I only put out something into the public if I feel like this is something nobody else is saying, this is a, a point of view nobody's talking about, or here's a different way of looking at something that I've never heard before. Well, now that's worth putting out into the world. Whereas if I had an opinion that aligns with a lot of other people's opinions, then I just wouldn't write about it. It's just, you know, um, lots of people like 
this music. I also like that music. I'm not going to write about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if here's a kind of music that I've never heard uh, anybody like of before, and I, I think, or most people don't like it, well, now this is worth writing about. Yeah, so mm, yeah. that's a strategy. There's, ooh, there's a lot, lot of stuff there. <laughs> uh, you know what you said about um, not feeling that you are f- from some place. I, mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that as you know being immigrants, um, growing up in the Netherlands. Everybody doesn't look like you, but um, I had the same ideas as the culture here in Netherlands because it's very, yeah. It's, I find it difficult to describe the the culture here in the Netherlands but I would if I would pick one word I would pick uh, s- uh, skepticism hmm. <laughs> the Dutch people are very skeptic about almost everything and a little bit pessimistic as well mm-hmm. um, but I think it's uh, it's been a very good strategy for me because um, I just never related to any type of groups or anything and I always saw you know myself as being independent and that really shaped my vision uh, or, or basically just you know the things that I'm writing about and the way that I look at things and I'm and that you know gave me the courage to speak my mind and you know I, I've read some of your articles about this topic as well just saying what you think and and making specific topics make it uh, yours and mm-hmm. just like what you talked about just earlier um, you don't want to for example, start a blog writing about music just like the thousands of others, other people. And one thing that, uh, a question that I often get from readers is that, well, there are all, already a million blogs. Why would I start my blog? And mm-hmm. I, I'm always like, well, when I started, there were also a million blogs, but no one has the same perspective as you, right? Mm-hmm. How how did you come to the conclusion in in re, in years when you were one of my the most interesting things that I've read from you is uh, don't quote right okay so the don't quote thing um, well first let me tell the audience what we're talking about um, the article is at sivers.org/dq as in don't quote but the point is that I think too many of us quote somebody else like here's what somebody else said on this subject and we we you know give the reference like it came from this book or from this famous philosopher or this famous entrepreneur this rich person said that and that therefore you said should listen Mm -hmm. but i feel that instead we should not quote that person but just if this is something you believe then internalize it Put it in your own words and state it yourself. Like you own this now. It's ideas are not uh, money that you steal from somebody else. <laughs> You're not taking anything away from Mark Twain <laughs> if you uh, take one of his ideas and make it your own and say it yourself and give no credit to Mark Twain. Uh, you're actually probably doing the world a favor instead of just continuing to echo, 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 echo what Mark Twain has said. Um, so I think that. We should stay very aware of noise and waste. And we should ask what's necessary and what's not. So, for example, when I, it used to be that when I would read books and tell friends about them, that I'd spend 
most of the time, like there would be an idea from a book that I'd wanted, want to share with a friend, but then I'd spend two minutes telling the friend about the book. It's this book called Predictably Unrational by Dan Ariely, and he's a behavioral psychologist and this and that, and he wrote this brilliant book. And, and in the book, uh, uh, Predictably Irrational, he has this idea uh, that he said what you know happened at a school in Israel, and da-da-da-da-da. And then, after two minutes of explaining my source, then <laughs> I'd finally say the actual point. Yeah. But after hearing myself do that a few times... And and always being aware of noise and waste and what's necessary and what's not, I had to ask like, why am I doing that? Like, does my friend really need to know the the bibliography, uh, the source of every thought? No, just say the damn thought. It it feels weird at first to to share a thought when you know where it came from, but you're making a decision that's not important where it came from mm. and if somebody were to actually say uh oh wow that's a brilliant idea you know where did you come up with that well then of course you can say it comes from this book danny really predictably irrational that's where i got the idea from you know if you're not trying to claim the credit you're just not cluttering the conversation with unnecessary info so for years i'd noticed that conversationally but then just recently, I've noticed that a lot of current nonfiction books I was reading are so filled with he said this and mm. she said this and this source and that source that I started looking at, um, I won't name names, but like a recent book that I generally liked the book, but I looked at the page and on one single page of the book were four different names of four different philosophers each one with the name of the philosopher, what era they were from, the Greek philosopher, da 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 da, da from 680, da, 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 said this. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, Marcus Aurelius, the emperor, da 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 da, da, da said that. And I yeah. just think, man, I looked at the page, I was like, that's a lot of noise. Like, mm -hmm. you just gave me, you pushed four names into my head for no other reason than you felt you should. But I didn't care about any of that. I just care about the point. So after those two things combined, I decided I'm making a new rule for myself. Don't quote, just adopt it as your own. <laughs> like, like adopting a pet or a child. <laughs> I have now adopted this idea and it is mine. I am going to share it directly without needing to quote. And if somebody wants to know the source, well, in my head, I know where it came from and I'm happy to tell you if you care, but I'm assuming most people don't. Yeah, I I really love this. Um, for for my la last book or uh, not the last one, but the one that I wrote last year, what it takes to be free. Um, I really was tired of myself because in the in the past, I was that guy. You know, I, I probably didn't do it four times on one page, but I <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, if I look at myself, especially when I was beginning, as a, as a writer. I was hiding behind other people's names, you know, as you, mm -hmm. as you as you're talking about this, you're saying oh noise and waste and and I agree, but what I also hear is basically we're just hiding, right? We we don't have yeah. the courage to say, "Hey, this is what I think," right? This this is yeah. how I feel about certain topics. And last year I was like, you know, I'm I'm really done with this. What I'm going to do is in, I just want to 
quote or I want to give credit to the person that gave me the inspiration. So what I did was I had the chapter and I basically wrote the whole chapter from my own perspective. I didn't quote anyone. Mm-hmm. At the end of the chapter, I simply just pasted the, a quote from one person that gave me inspiration. And that was it. I just didn't say anything about the quote. I just put it there just as as like some kind of reference all, almost. But just moving forward, I, I probably don't even have to do that, right? It's just, you just this is my perspective and this is, uh, I'm just saying what I think. Yeah. It depends. I mean, you know, Ryan Holiday, for example, is writing the kind of books where he's trying to introduce a modern audience to the ancient thinkers. Mm-hmm. So in his case, it's like, this is why he's writing the book is to share the thoughts of the great philosophers. Yeah. But yeah, for most of us, I imagine we're just trying to communicate a point and it would be more powerful if we adopted the ideas ourselves and presented it in our own words. The the question that I get from people often is, you know, the should I start a blog or not? Just the base, the whole story or the thing that we talked about now is, is act, the actual reason, right? That, Sure, why not? Why not start a blog, right? That That's the thing that I often ask is, why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of, why should I? Uh, or why, why would I start a blog or whatever? I'm just picking a blog in this case, but you could apply it to, to, to anything. But I would uh, turn it around and say, why not uh, start a blog? Just, you know, share what you think. Is this something that, do, do you have any tips or anything that you maybe learned along the way of speaking your mind? Was it gradual or was it just like a sudden realization that you had when we were talking about this? Oh, mine was sudden. Mm. It was a very deliberate plan. Um, After I sold CD Baby, my company, uh, in 2008, I was feeling a little lost and I uh, maybe depressed, but not sad, just like just lost. I didn't know what to do. I felt like, okay, well, I've peaked. <laughs> my best is behind me. Well, my life is over. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just going to slowly descend, you know. Uh, and then instantly, all at once, on a plane, while reading a book, I had this just flash of inspiration of like, oh my God, I want to be a writer, speaker, thinker kind of guy. I want the TED conference to invite me to speak. I want people to know me for my thoughts and my writing. And this was new to me. Um, mm. At the time, I was really just known as like that musician that started uh, a, a music store. And this was super exciting to me. Uh, it was like the first inspiring idea I'd had in over a year. Uh, before that, I thought I was just going to change my name and disappear and be an open source programmer somewhere. Um, so... Yeah. So I set off with, you know, by the time the plane landed, I had this like, you know, three pages of a deliberate plan on how I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it started with like every day I'm going to wake up and spend the first four hours of every day writing the best article I can with a unique point of view, something that nobody else has said, looking at conventional things in an unconventional way or whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to be an interesting voice in the crowd. So, um, yeah, that was that was very worth it for me, uh, for what I'm doing. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's yeah. it, it didn't earn me any money, and I didn't try to make it earn me any money. <laughs> I was actually shocked when I, um, yeah. you know, I'm friends with Tim Ferriss, and I asked him, 
uh, about his podcast one time. I was like, dude, why do you have like you have like six minutes of ads at the start of every podcast? What the hell? Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I know, but he said the thing is, it earns like those ads make my podcast earn over a million dollars a year, and a lot of that I send to uh, schools in Cambodia uh, mm. for charity. And so, yeah, I could uh, eliminate the ads so as not to annoy people, but then uh, schools in Cambodia would be getting a million dollars less each year. And I was like, damn it, that's a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) That's a damn good reason, yeah. uh, Maybe I should try earning some money. But uh, no, I haven't. I've just done all of this just for my own intrinsic reasons because I feel like it. Yeah, well, it's just uh, doing good in a different way. The way that you check in on people, I think, is also worth so much for a lot of us uh, that you know that that you can't have if you, um, let's say, you turn this into a massive business that you would, you know, <laughs> yeah. spend your days probably running the business and less uh, time on uh, on answering uh, emails and and just yeah. being there for people. So, yeah, it's all about uh, just the, the the strategy you take. Ultimately, I think it all leads to the same place as in just making a contribution but you know one thing as you were saying sharing a story i was thinking to myself what book were you reading on that plane where you had this id huh um might have been the 48 laws of power it kind of had nothing else to do with the book Mm, um okay it was just like there was literally like one sentence somewhere in the book that just kind of made me stare out the window and think for a minute then i was like oh Yes. You know what it was? Okay. Actually, I do remember it. What, what it was. It was about attention. Mm-hmm. It was about being in the spotlight. See, the deal was when I quit CD Baby, I had 85 employees and it was not much of a hierarchy. Like, you know, the, a lot of those 85 people would complain directly to me mm-hmm. about their life if they're not happy. And I just, I didn't like that. I didn't like having all that responsibility. I didn't like being even a little famous i just like i just that's why i said like Mm -hmm. five minutes ago i said i was considering just changing my name and disappearing and being an open source programmer i seriously looked into (laughs) that that was not a joke no i was seriously looking into legally changing my name um moving somewhere where nobody knows me and just living off my savings living a cheap life finding a little apartment for 400 dollars a month and just being an open source programmer just Mm -hmm. losing myself in the intellectual uh fun of programming and just having no responsibilities, uh, just disappearing, people would say, oh, I wonder what ever happened to Derek Sivers. And, you know, maybe <laughs> once a year somebody would wonder and I would just be gone. I would just change my name and I would, yeah. you know, retire that. Uh, like and 40 years you would pop up somewhere and people would say, hey, that's Derek Sivers. <laughs> or hopefully not. Hopefully nobody would recognize me. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what I was planning on doing for real. And then the sentence or the idea that changed my mind was talking about the um, taking on the responsibility of being in the spotlight. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't a brilliant idea, but it was just a tiny idea that hit me at the right time that I thought, you know, yes, I could run away from the spotlight and all responsibility, or I could do the opposite and step into it and just deal with the downsides. Mm. You know, like... There are some downsides to being a little bit famous. Um, not many. It's mostly pretty awesome. Yeah. And as long as you can kind of mitigate the downsides and 
deal with the people that might pour too many expectations or projections onto you, then it's actually pretty awesome. So that was the actual thought in that moment. It was like, no, I'm going to step more into the spotlight. And that's why I'm going to start writing and speaking and, um, you know, being a public speaker and doing the TED conference and all that kind of stuff was that decision in that little moment. That's a that's a pretty big shift, right? Basically the opposite. You, uh-huh. you actually, yeah, you basically chose the opposite of your first <laughs> uh, thought. Oh, I do that almost every day. <laughs> this, this, see, this is my favorite thing. I should probably change, you know, on Sivers.org when it says at the top, like, this is what I am, this is what I do. Yeah. My single favorite thing to do in the whole world, like, better than sex, is changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite activity of all. Um, I love it when I think the opposite today of what I thought when I woke up this morning. To me, there's no feeling better than that is when I actually change my mind or have my mind changed on a subject that is amazing. That's my favorite thing in life. And so if you look at everything I do, that's the common thread, right? I'm not not Mm. trying to convince anybody to think like me. I'm often just taking some usual way that we look at things and seeing if I can... Uh, see the opposite. But there must be some kind of combination of like, if you, for example, change your mind all all, all the time, and you look at it as being something negative, which is, I think, what most of us do. Because like when I I was recently talking to a friend, and she was like, I just can't make up my mind. I'm just changing everything, basically. Like like you said, right? She basically said the same thing, but she had a a negative association to this whole concept. That is really fascinating to me. Well, I don't know if she's a good friend of yours. You should ask her to reconsider that because I think that, um, that, yeah, it does get a bad reputation because it can be annoying to other people. Mm. So back when I was running CD Baby and I had 85 employees, yeah, sometimes – or quite often, they would get upset at me when I would change my mind on something. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, you're always changing your mind. I'd say, well, yeah, <laughs> that's how getting smarter works. Like, <laughs> every day I'm learning more. Every day I'm analyzing uh, ah, my thoughts and the plan better. And so, yeah, ideally, I change my mind on something every day. That's, that's how you get smarter. Mm, um, I'm see. not going to just stick with something I said long ago, despite realizing now that it was wrong. Not gonna, yeah. I, I consistency is very low on my value. Ah, I, I, chart. I have a realization now. I, I finally understand why people perceive this or changing your mind as a bad thing, and I think it has a lot to do with what other people think. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. I agree. That's a yeah. I hadn't thought about that actually because. Yeah, people get get disappointed, or this is like, well, you said this yesterday. Why are you changing? And 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 I, you know, I was I can't remember which book it was I was reading. Oh no, I remember it was um, uh, Chris Voss, the negotiation book. Have Have you read that book? Nope. Uh, it it is about negotiation, but it's more about philosophy, I think. But um, in the book, he says, avoid asking people why. Because why is defensive, and mm. and, and you uh, basically um, make people want to defend themselves, and often 
you don't get an honest response because they're just trying to defend themselves. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Darius, you know it would be really fun right now? You should ask me some kind of why question. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so let's get on to my next question. Yeah. Why are you into weightlifting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ask it like in, 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 in that type of way, like why, why, do you, why are you saying this? Why, like why did you change your mind? And that that's very, um, I, and I agree with that. Those type of why questions because you make people uh, have to defend themselves. Right? It's not coming out of curiosity. So instead of saying, "Oh wow, that's interesting," so yesterday you were thinking X, and today you're thinking Y. I'm curious. How did you uh, come to this conclusion? Right? That that's more out of curiosity. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty fascinating. So you, you know. know, any of these things that people think of as negative. You can take it and rock it and be proud of it. You know, um, I used to feel like it was a bad thing that I'm a slow thinker, that I uh, I would be a terrible debater. Uh, I would be a terrible like live TV guest. Like I'm just not uh, super quick like that. You know, if you ask me a question, my usual response is, huh, I don't know. <laughs> and then the next day I have an answer. So I used to feel bad about this, like, oh, I should really get faster. Mm -hmm. But instead, I thought, you know what? I like the fact that I think slowly. I, I like that the fact that what comes out of my mouth is not just some uh, knee-jerk reaction, but it's something that I've thought about for a while. So instead, I wrote an article just kind of proudly proclaiming. It says, I'm a very slow thinker. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine your friend doing the same thing to say, I change my mind every day. <laughs> yeah, just own and I'm it. proud of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of you are just going to have to deal with that. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm proud of it. Yeah, that's a good way to live. I, I, you know, that's one something I think uh, we can't get enough of is just owning who we are, and but that that requires just knowing who we are, and I think that's that's the biggest challenge often, hmm. just figuring out who are we actually, so we can own it. But if because if we don't know who we are, we just we can't own it, right? We just don't know right. what we are. But um, the one of the another thing that I had on uh, uh, on my list of questions that I wanted to ask you was uh, kind of related to this as well, just uh, owning who you are and being a slow thinker. And also, I read uh, several articles about you for, um, writing about being alone. Mm -hmm. And one thing I can remember a while back, you said you went on a family trip or something, and you had to recover for ten days or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So how how you can almost tell how important it is to you, but can you explain the impact that it has on you just being alone? Sure. Um, I think I'm not that different from most introverts in that I feel that I'm recharging my batteries when I'm alone, and I'm when I'm with anybody else, even if there's like somebody else in my house, mm. it feels like my batteries are draining, you know, mm. so solitude recharges me. Um, part of that is because of my life's goals. So maybe if my life goal was to be a community leader an organizer or even a politician or something like that, then I would be charged by being out among people because I'd feel like this is bringing me closer to my goals in life. But for whatever reason, my goals in life are often 
or almost entirely just things that I just need to do alone at a keyboard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mostly just writing, thinking, reading. Those are all my goals in life probably fall into those three categories. And those are all things I do best alone. Um, but then I also, I noticed once an interesting um, observation. I have often been with people and wished that I was alone, hmm. but I've never been alone and wished that I was with people. Oh. Never. <laughs> uh, so once I realized that, it's like, oh, yeah, I think, I think we have a clear answer. I prefer being alone. I've never wished otherwise. I've only wished one direction. So um, my friends around the world are we're all remote, uh, partially because I move a lot. Mm. Uh, I've tended to move every couple of years ever since I was a teenager. So the only people I stay friends with are people that like talking on the phone, right? <laughs> so I have seven okay. dear friends, but all of them are remote. So uh, in order of time zone, I think, uh, Australia, Singapore, Los Angeles, New York, Germany, Spain and Ukraine Mm. that that's where my seven friends are one in each and we talk on the phone every week Mm. um and yeah if I meet somebody that's really cool and they're just not the kind of person that uh, wants to talk on the phone like every now and then I meet somebody that uh I feel kind of startlingly kindred with and I say hey we should keep in touch you want to talk on the phone and if I get this kind of like oh phone uh mm, I don't really uh I'm like okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll see you every yeah. few years when I'm passing through the place that you live. Otherwise, I guess I won't talk to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, I travel so much or not travel. I, I move so much that um, being alone and having best friends around the world is my uh, yeah, so, norm and ideal. Yeah. So when, when's the last time you actually caught up with a friend face to face? Well, now you're asking that during our... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well. COVID nineteen lockdown. Um, a month and a half ago, I saw my mm. friend in Spain. Mm. Okay, um, but before that, wow, wow. Actually, that's a good question. Let me think about this. Before that, like if I think of my seven best friends, it's been a couple years mm. since we've seen each other face to face. One of them, I think, we haven't seen each other face to face in like fifteen years. Mm. But we talk every week. Yeah, so you you feel close, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is. So, I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently because I have several friends that I'm close with, and we speak every week. Um, and I also have a, a younger brother who I'm very close with as well. That you know, obviously, we we also work together, so we see each other every day. Mm-hmm. But the the physical or the 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 face to face thing and 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 just you know how having friends and there are also some things that are in our society as in you need the the physical contact i don't know i don't i don't know if if i get that correctly but some of us feel like we're obligated or something to have contact with people a lot but you're like well i don't have that desire at all and that's okay so if you don't have the desire why would you push yourself to change right yeah right yeah it depends on the person some people do and it depends what you consider friendship Mm. so 
I know somebody that her idea of friendship is going out drinking with friends and the the idea of keeping in touch on the phone is like absolutely moot. She's like, yeah. no way. She may talk to her mother every day and enjoy that, but um, but her definition of friendship is these are the people that you go out drinking and doing activities with. For her, friendship is not a conversation. It's an mm, activity. Yeah. So for her, in-person is uh, a requirement. Yeah. Whereas like my definition of friendship is more like just conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, this is a really good one because I, I remember, and especially I think maybe this comes from the whole college thing and just just in high school and all that kind of stuff because you just uh, go out with people and do activities, and then your friendship is based on that activity, and then when that activity disappears, the friendship also <laughs> disappears. Right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I've had that as well in my life. So yeah, I think um, it. Yeah, just friendship. One of the things that I um, decided in recent years is that I prefer to, um, you know, spend time with people who have a similar outlook. I find this difficult, by the way, and I want to talk to you about this as well because, on the one side, I want to spend time with people who who have a similar outlook. On life, but I also pref- like uh, talking to people who think differently. You know, how how do you look at this? Are, are all your friends um, have a similar values as you? Or <laughs> no? Um, well, I think we look. We we all have a human need for certainty for the things that are known to us already and comfortable. But we also all have a human need for uncertainty, mm. for surprise. And uh, the unknown. So the adventure of life is balancing these two things in your life, however you see fit. So, yes, part of you wants to interact with people that are completely different from you, somebody that grew up across the world from you uh, in a completely different demographic that has very different outlooks on the world as you. And getting to know that person can be a life-expanding experience. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, sometimes you just want to talk with somebody that's just like you and grew up like <laughs> yeah, you did exactly. and has the same cultural references and you can make a joke about, you yeah. know. And so we just, we all have the need for both, I think. And so each person has their own, um, I was going to say their own balance. Some people want to be in the familiar most of the time. Some people want to be in the unfamiliar most of the time. But it can also be situational. You can have times in your life where you are just flying high and everything's going well and life is a breeze. And because of that, you actually want more adventure, more of the unknown, the uncertainties in life. You want surprises, but then you might have a, you might get really sick or injured or have some kind of disaster happen in your life. And now you're broke and now you're this. And it's like, Oh man, I, I can't, I don't want any surprises. I just, want my old favorite food. I want to be at home at my mother's house with, I'm going to watch my old favorite TV show from 20 years ago. I just, I yeah. want nothing new right now. So I think it depends on your life scenario. Yeah. I, I look at that uh, this uh, the same way, uh, just having different stages in life. And, uh, you know, um, I remember a few years ago, I had a, a, a real drive to just get out of the place that I was living and you know i ended up living in london and that was a really great experience and also traveling a lot 
and and you know one of the things that I'm often uh, that I often talk about with friends but also with readers is that it's just knowing when it's time to move on and um you know obviously you've lived in different places and you've done different things you started a business you sold your business uh you've written a book and you're you know working on other books um how do you know it's time to move on from a project or a certain lifestyle or whatever it is, like in terms of just making a change? is Do you have a process or is it more a gut feeling? <clears throat> well, I have a core belief that change is good. So I err on the side of moving on, as you put it, and I've never regretted it. Um, I'm always looking to change. Hmm. But I think it depends on what's your value system. Like, do you want broad experiences in life? Do you want to do lots of different things? Or do you want to dive deeply into one thing? Which can be places too, right? Like I told you, I move every couple of years. This mm -hmm. is what I enjoy doing. But a lot of people I know are living in the same town they grew up in and they've been in the same house for 30 years and they're planning on dying there and they love this grounded sense of community that that gives them, that they know their place really well. Um, and that's their value system. You know, Do you have a high need for variety or a low need? So these are the things you have to know about yourself a bit first, or I guess you just observe it in yourself um, to... Even if your friends say, what are you, crazy? Why would you quit a job that you just got a year ago? It's a good job. You can say, well, I, I want to. <laughs> like, I want to go do something else now. I've done this for a year and that's enough. And your friends might tell you you're stupid and you're wrong, uh, but they just have a different value system. And their value system, if you found a good job, you should stick with it for the rest of your life. Um, but when you have a feeling, like the feeling has to persist for a long time, like you, what, how did you put it? Like, is it a gut feeling? So if you have a feeling, I'd say it has to persist for a long time. Like you can't just be in a bad mood or having a slump that week or that month <laughs> and then determine that you're done with this thing. You have yeah. to make sure that the feeling persists. And the real point is don't make a major decision only based on emotions. Because emotions can change with a simple refocusing, you know, like yeah. the example I said of being on the plane, you know, in, at one o'clock in the afternoon, I felt that I wanted to legally change my name and disappear. And by two o'clock in the afternoon, I decided I wanted to step into the spotlight and be a famous speaker. You know, your, your emotions can change in an hour. Yeah. So don't let your emotions guide major decisions. Uh, let them have a vote. But you should really use your smarts, uh, use your wisdom, and and think of what a wise person from the outside would suggest that you do. Like if you were to ask a wise person that doesn't know you objectively from the outside, uh, what would a person in my situation do? You should heed that. You should think of what is objectively the wise thing to do and then let your emotions have a vote. So that the, the plan example is actually a good one. Uh, because you you mentioned that you don't want to chase your emotions, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you go after the the plane ride? So you had the idea, I want to be a famous 
speaker and author mm -hmm. and did you let it sit no well see that is that's what i mean about using your smarts so kind of like all at once in that emo in that moment emotionally i felt like yeah i'm super excited about this like this is i am sitting completely upright in my chair and like more driven than i have felt in a year and a half because you got to understand i was also sitting there for like a year and a half doing almost nothing ah, just okay. drifting so it's not like I was, you know, going to quit something I was doing in my life to do this other thing. Uh, but I could all tell it was also the smart thing to do. Like, given my situation, given the fact that I already had this database of a quarter million people that I had either sold their music or sold music to them, um, I had already been blogging, but only to musicians mm. for 10 years. Uh, people had already told me for years that they liked my writing, but I just thought, oh, okay, well, thanks. I mean, that's not what I really do. I'm just <laughs> running a music store here, but thank you. I'm yeah. glad you like my writing. So I just kind of realized that this was the right strategy for me, that this is what I love the most. This is what I'm well positioned to do. And so, yeah, it was a combination of smarts and emotion. Yeah. It just made it instant at some point everything uh, just clicks right you just right everything comes it feels like um it's almost like uh, destiny i don't i don't believe in that kind of stuff but it's like it, it just looks like it on the outside like a romantic movie almost like right you're sitting in a well <laughs> you know it could also okay look, we hear these stories of you know somebody who is a um a professional i just saw this little article yesterday it's like a professional swimmer hmm. uh, like an olympic swimmer was jogging around a river when a bus fell off a bridge and crashed into the river. And he just instantly, he knew like, I, this is what I need to do. And he just instantly dove into the river and like one by one pulled up like all 31 passengers of the bus, um, wow. dove down like, you know, 30 meters over and over and over again and, and 31 times to get those people. Cause he knew I can do this. This is needed. Sometimes it's just what you need to do is extremely clear and obvious. And it can wow. be instant like that, like a bus crashed off the bridge, or it can be instant like, oh, my God, I just realized what I need to do with my career. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. But it's it's not like destiny. It's more just the obvious right answer given everything you know. Yeah, so, so that is actually your process is just know yourself, know your values, and know your, like, basically how you operate, and also just make sure that you do some stuff yeah by knowing yourself you should ignore what you say and just look at what you do like look at your past actions to know yourself well because yeah. i think all of us have something we've been saying for years that we're going to do or and we haven't done it yeah. or something we've been saying for years like this matters to me but if you look at our actions, our actions disagree with that statement. It clearly doesn't seem to matter to us that much because our actions are not actually doing this thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look at your actions, not your Yeah, that, words. that that's a, a Peter Drucker exercise, right? Have, have, I didn't know that. No, he, um, so I was recently, uh, one of my favorite, uh, it's actually an article, uh, Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. Mm -hmm. And in the, uh, in the article, he... Um, he shares what he calls, I think, feedback analysis. And he says, um, write down what you think you will do in the next year. 
And then in one year from now, look at what you actually did. Hmm. And basically what you're saying, right? We have a lot of things that we we say we want to do or say we uh, are. And then we, we look back on our actions and our actions are basically who we are. And by looking at the difference between what we say we are going to do and what we actually did, we can actually see, you know, what our strengths are and what we're good at. And I, I think, you know, as I'm just listening to your story, I see a lot of things of that you're pursuing things that you're also good at because the, the, the example that you gave of, of blogging about music uh, and people saying to you, oh, you should write more or you know, what did you say? People told you that your articles were good or something? Yeah, I just, yeah. I noticed that, yeah, people had always complimented my writing. Yeah, well, that that's a great sign that, well, there is actually something in here. I should pursue that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that as as a process of figuring out when to move on. And did, was this a, the same realization that you had uh, when you... Was this this last year that you decided to focus on writing books or the year before? When when did this happen um, instead of writing more articles? Um, Oh, no, that was (laughs) that was just a few months ago. Um, That was more like I have this unfinished book that I desperately want to finish. Mm -hmm. It's called How to Live. And I'm so excited about it. I think it's going to be like the best thing I've ever done. But I was spending like four hours a day writing an article every day Mm. because I was trying to do this like daily blogging writing exercise thing. And I just looked at that and I thought, yeah, for a while I need to reorganize my priorities. I just need to make finishing this book my most important thing. Mm. And if I'm not churning out an article every day or even every month, (laughs) then, uh, that's okay. I just need to finish this book. So, um, that was really just a few months ago. I just kind mm. of intentionally shifted around my priorities and said, I'm going to let my blog be quiet for a while so I can just finish the book. And then once the book is done, because it's just it's hard to finish it right now. Yeah. Uh, once it's done, maybe I'll find some new balance again. Mm. And how how is that process going for you right now? Are you, are you just fully um, some, uh, immersed in the, the book writing process? Do you, you don't miss uh, writing articles or doing podcasts for yourself or anything? <laughs> uh, no, actually, right now I am uh, splitting my time with uh, programming. There's some things I still need to program for my site. Um, doing podcasts like this, um, especially in lockdown, has been <laughs> has been fun. Um, it's fun, fun to have these conversations. And, uh, and then working on the book, yeah. So that's my current thing and pretty soon I'll finish the programming I'm doing and then I'll just be spending all my time uh, working on my book except when I stop to do a conversation like this. Mm. Do, do you uh, take on projects uh, like sequentially? You finish one thing and then you move on to the next? Mostly, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I'm a, uh, I throw myself fully into one thing at a time. I, I wish I could be that kind of person that you know, does a little of this for two hours and this for one hour and every day I do this for three hours and then I change and I do that. But instead, I've just found I just really get into one thing at a time. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe that's something I'll change someday. Mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can always change your mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, the, the thing, the, the reason that I'm asking this, uh, why I brought this up, uh, but writing um, your book right now is that I, I, I've been thinking a lot about opportunity costs mm-hmm. because um, I realize if you just say yes to, for example, and I, and I try to balance this as well because I, I said for myself fully yes to my blog and I'm committed to writing articles because I feel that I still have a lot of topics that I haven't covered yet. But at the same time, people also, for example, enjoy the podcast. And last year I decided I'm going to spend more time on my website and writing articles because I I realized that I found it a little bit difficult to combine this, you know, that because like you, I just want to give the thing that I'm doing a lot of my atten- of my full attention if i say yes to the podcast as well there's so much things that i want to yeah, say say yes to you know uh, and it's so difficult to to find some or just to pick one one strategy or or one thing and and just um stick to it and i think um I find it difficult to balance between, you know, changing your mind because I, I'm like that as well. I, I kind of change my mind on, on certain things. But at the same time, I also want to, you know, finish, well, not not finish, but just keep on doing what I'm doing, you know? Right. Can you, uh, can you relate to that as well? Or yeah. I mean, it's a dangerous train of thought Yeah. yeah. Um, because – at least for me, again, mm. different people have different personalities. Yeah, for, but for, for me, me too, I, I can I, relate. Yeah, I find that. T- well, actually, I was gonna, I was gonna disagree with one thing you said. Yeah. I don't find it difficult to say no to things. I actually find it difficult to not say no. I find it difficult to have four different things I've said yes to and trying to do them all at once. Mm. That's the difficult thing. Yeah, it's true. I think saying yes to only one thing and no to absolutely everything else like the absolutism of that is is so wonderfully simplifying like that just becomes your answer to everything you just say i'm finishing my book and i'm doing nothing else until the book is finished you might as well just not even check your email until the book is finished because you're like no no to everything else so he says hey man let's hang out no <laughs> what part of no to everything else do you not understand like well hey can you can we do this podcast no i am saying no to everything else until i finish my book to me there's a wonderful simplicity in that and you just have to trust that this one thing you've said yes to is is worth it so there was a great article from some famous sci-fi author. I'm thinking it might have been Neil Stevenson, where he wrote kind of a letter to the world saying, this is why I don't answer email. He said, now that I'm famous, everybody emails me. And I could spend the rest of my life answering emails, mm. and they will never, ever stop. Or I could just finish my book. And he said, I'm going to guess that most of you would rather I keep writing books, uh, even if some of you are disappointed that I'm not answering your email. So this is just my public proclamation to let you know I will not be answering email because I am just writing my book and that's it. Well, I think uh, we could say that to you as well, right? Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, 
especially, you know, with the, uh, like you said at the beginning, I, when the Corona thing hit and was getting really serious and people were dying, <laughs> I emailed everybody on my mailing list, mm -hmm. just three sentences saying, how are you? Yes, I'm really asking. Uh, let me know, please. And yeah, it wasn't, it ended up being more than 6,000. It was closer to 8,000 people that replied. And um, it was all I did for 15 hours a day for like two solid weeks was I answered something between 500 and 1,000 emails per day. It was one of the most intense things I've ever done in my life. I did nothing else. I, I, I didn't even see my kid for those um, wow. for those like two weeks. His mom just had to take care of him. And I just said, I just need to do this. People are a lot of people are really upset and a lot of people are waiting for my answer or whatever. So yeah. yeah, for two weeks, I did nothing else every single waking hour except just type as fast as I could to read and reply to every single email. And for me, that was my value system. I was glad that I did that. It made me uh, deeply happy. You know, there's shallow happy and there's deep happy. Shallow mm. happy is having ice cream. Deep happy is being proud of yourself for not having the ice cream. <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't say that answering 8,000 emails was fun, but it was deeply <laughs> satisfying. Well, I, I can't even imagine the process, but like I I really understand what you're feeling because you're making such an impact. And, and also it's an example of saying, like what you were saying earlier, saying yes to one thing Yeah. for two weeks. And you, you basically did in terms of, just you blog on any career you did nothing nothing else yeah right? you know now that we are, are talking about saying no i like i like the strategy and i think a lot of people can relate to this because what you're saying is uh, in my opinion also true is it's very uh a very simple way to live because if you say like you're saying if you say yes to a lot of things you make your life unnecessarily complicated yeah but at some point and I probably already know the answer you're you're going to give. Are you ever concerned that you become a party pooper? No, I'm already a party pooper. <laughs> I've always been a party pooper. I, I, I don't even. It's not that I poop at parties. I just nobody invites me to the parties because they know that my answer is always no. <laughs> uh, I I don't hang out. I don't sit around on couches. I don't watch things. If you ask me, hey, did you see? No, my answer is already no. I don't. I don't watch things. Wow. I don't have a Netflix subscription. I haven't seen any movies. I haven't seen any TV shows. I just write. This is all I do. Oh man! Um, and I like it that way. This is like uh, I've, uh, honestly, I I've said this already a few times today, but I do really find this fascinating because a lot of people say I do one thing, and I and I often also say, well, you know, I'm really focused on writing a book, for example, but. I don't do it all day, and I, I just find it awesome to to hear that you like me. That literally, you, like you say, you, <laughs> you know, you're literally like doing one thing all day, right? Yeah, I mean, there are moments where you know I'll wake up at five thirty and I'll start writing, and by one in the afternoon, I'm feeling like Ugh, I'm feeling burnt out. And yes, okay, I'll go, I'll go walk around for an hour. I'll go walk five miles. Um, in a field or a forest. And I'll come back. I'll take a take a shower. I'll make a little something to eat. Then I go back to work. But yeah. you know, if somebody says like, "Hey, you want to hang out?" I say, "Well, no. I'm going to keep working." And if somebody says, "Hey, you should see this movie," I say, "Well, no. <laughs> I'm going to keep working." Uh, just 
um, yeah. at any, it's because I want so desperately to finish. There's always something that I'm working on that's not done that I mm. desperately want it to be done. And so I just look at the, you know, you called it opportunity cost or something earlier. I just, yeah. I say, yeah, okay, I could stop and watch a movie about the Joker yeah. Or I could finish my book. Mm. And as soon as you just put it like that, it's like, well, obviously, mm. so the, the choice is clear. Where does this drive come from? Um, I don't know. I, I th Actually, <laughs> remember how an hour ago you asked something like that and I mentioned my kid? Mm. My kid has this trait, too. Mm. And I think I've been like this since I was a little kid, too. I have always just been really, really into one thing at a time, almost obsessively. And so I think the drive is kind of like an obsession that whatever I'm into, I'm just really into that and nothing else. And mm. I've always been like that since I was a kid. And I see that he's got that same trait. So maybe it's just in our DNA. So the, your, your drive is... Uh basically just to finish something that you started right it's not the the uh, the end goal or the, the 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 outcome that you're trying to achieve no it's more like um it's not about the goal it's that when i'm into something it's it's like it's all i can think about mm -hmm. i don't want to, to be distracted so it can last for two weeks like the example of um answering all those emails yeah or it can last for 10 years like cd baby was a 10-year obsession of mine. Like I started it as an accident, but once it took off and there were like thousands of musicians telling me, oh my God, I need this, I need this. I was seriously like 7 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, I just did nothing else but CD Baby. Um, it's funny, I lived in Portland, Oregon, and every now and then people would say, oh yeah, cool, man, Portland, Oregon. Hey, do you ever go to this? You ever go to that <laughs> restaurant? You ever go to that venue? I was like, nope, I... I've lived in Portland for six years. I've I've never hung out. I've never actually gone to any venue or any restaurant or anything. I just wake up at 7 a.m. and I work until I fall asleep at midnight. I sleep for six hours and do it again. Like, this is my life. So uh, that lasted for 10 years. Um, yeah, I'm starting to see a theme here. So, exactly. <laughs> we, we're saying no a lot. Uh, we just do, you, just, you just do one thing. And, and until it comes to like a, a natural ending, right? Right, and then you move on, and and for example, the, the the stuff we talked about, the the year that you took some time to figure out what that next thing is that you're just going to be passionate about, um, I can sense something like y you you just want to make sure that you're spending your time in a way that gives you energy, but also is is making contribution. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and and if you find that combination, you just go for it. Exactly. Awesome. As I was thinking about questions to ask you, um, one of the things that I, a concept that I've been thinking about as well recently is uh, playing to win. So now that we're talking about picking a, a, a specific challenge or a project, I'm perfectly okay with quitting that as well. If I notice that, you know, for any reason, maybe it's not going well, or if I'm not having any, you know, serious chance of winning i just quit and and i'm specifically talking about you know from a career point of view and i'm not talking about hobbies uh, what's your take on this do, how how do you look at 
for example, publishing books, do you want to win? Well, I think it depends who you're doing it for and why. Because that decides what you mean by something's not working, right? So there have been businesses that I was doing just because I felt like it. And I would happily do them at a loss because I just wanted it to exist in the world. Mm. So the definition of not working for that would be that it just doesn't make me happy anymore. Mm. So that would be an easy decision to quit if the who was I'm doing it for myself and the why was because I felt like it. <laughs> well, then the, the correct time to quit is when I just don't feel like doing it anymore. But now what if the who you're doing it for is for people who want it. And the why you're doing it is just because they want it. Like you're not even really doing it for the money. You're doing it because people want this to exist. So I'm going to do this for them. And then maybe you're also happy to do something like that at a loss. As long as those people still want it and you're able to do it. So in that case, not working would have to mean that people just don't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. But even if it was losing money, you'd still say, oh yeah, this is a working project. Like this is working for me because the people are happy. I'm happy. Eh, it's losing some money, but who cares? <laughs> That's not why I'm doing it. But if the why is making money, like that's why you're doing something. Well, now you have a clear definition of not working. You can just say, is this making money or not? Oh, this isn't making money. So this isn't working and I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to mm. quit now because it's not working. But for most of us, usually, I think it's a mix of these things. Like, you're, yes, you're doing something to make money, but also because you find it personally interesting. So if it's still making money, but you don't find it personally interesting anymore, well, now it's not really working for you anymore, even though it's still making money. Um, yeah, something you'd have to really just be a cold, disconnected business owner to say, I'm just doing this for the money. Uh, and that could be, you know, that's yeah. under that situation, you would only judge, is this working or not by whether it's making money or not, you know, or like you just said, if you use the books example. Some people, their idea of, is this working is like, am I selling a lot of books? Mm -hmm, you know, yeah. am I a top seller on Amazon? But for some of us, including me, um, I'm just making this book for my existing audience. I don't really care. Um, it's kind of like the, the, the middle example. I, I'm the, the who I'm doing this for people who want it. Mm -hmm. And the why is because they want it. People have said that they wished that I had a book. So I am making a book for them. And if the hundred people that want it buy it, I'm happy. Like I don't, yeah. I don't care if it sells a million copies. In fact, I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do just to sell a million copies because I thoroughly don't care. Um, I'm just doing it for the people who want it. And so yeah. not working would have to mean that people don't want the book and that would be fine. Then I would stop doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, that's how I look at it is, is not working or, or probably losing is if I am... am when we're talking about this stuff, books and articles and, and content or uh, music, is that people just don't find it useful or entertaining. Um, 
I think if 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 that happens, I think I would probably move on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing that I think about is, and and I want to ask you this: Would you still? I don't know how how many articles have you published on your blog? Do you? I don't know. A couple, few hundred. Few hundred. Like, do you think you would still publish articles if, um, like, one person would read it, or would you just just Ooh. journal? Right? I okay for me, I would just journal. Yeah. So I write for hours a day in my journal. I have a fun doing that. When I edit something down for public consumption. That's <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but that's like a favor that I'm doing for the world. Yeah. Like I personally don't love like editing the hell out of something so I can put it out for the world, make sure it's not misunderstood. Partially because of my email list. You know, I've got like, I don't know, hundred and fifty thousand people on my email list. Mm -hmm. And they've asked me to tell them when something new is posted. So it's a bit of a pain. Every time I put a, a new article on my site, uh, people on my mailing list get an announcement, and I get about 500 emails in response to it. So every time I post an article on my site, that means, I mean, how long does it take me to answer 500 emails? It probably takes me like you know, 12 hours. Yeah. So every time I post an article, that means 12 hours of work yeah, yeah. after it's posted, not before. <laughs> yeah, so, and the thing is you don't need to do it. You, 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 right? you, don't, you don't need anything from right yes and no i mean it does fit with what i want to do i mean i still want mm -hmm. to be a uh an interesting writer speaker thinker kind of guy i still like being in the conversation i like sharing interesting ideas with the world and getting especially i love getting people's feedback mm -hmm. from them and people saying actually i think you're off base here and quite often when people give me some interesting feedback on something i go wow you're right mm -hmm. either you're right, I miscommunicated that. Like, now I see that that was an error in my writing yeah. that you thought that I meant this instead of that. That means I made a mistake in my writing. I wasn't clear enough. Or you've just pointed out a hole in my logic. Yeah. And thank you. Like, it's just, yeah, I, I like having it out there. It's just, um, it can, it's it's definitely work. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's work. So if the world didn't want my articles anymore, that's fine. I would just keep writing in my journal and mm -hmm. I'd have, conversations with dear friends and that's enough yeah I, yeah i i i feel the same about that and and one thing that i was curious about is that does it take a mental toll on you that this whole process that, that you just described the the, the feedback and all uh, kind of stuff? the uh, receiving 500 emails yeah after posting an article the, yeah that's a mental toll that's like whew, again i i told you i'm thankful yeah. for these connections like i gave my example i think it's one of my deepest joys is the fact that i know so many people around the world um you know like my helsinki example i could just mm -hmm. go to almost anywhere in the world mm -hmm. and how cool that i know people there like that's one of my things that makes yeah. me happy there are not a lot of people who can say that that's yeah that's a great position to be in yeah i really really like that it gives yeah. me also it gives me a sense of safety you know someday i might be completely broken, bankrupt or whatever, needing to call on people on my email list. Like, does anybody have a spare room? <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of nice to know that I could, uh, I've got people I could ask. Yeah, well, uh, if you're in the Netherlands, you can always call me. Hey, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Thanks, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, but for the most part, 
for the most part, let's just say it's work, but it's worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and then, then it makes it okay, right? That that you know that that it's it's difficult sometimes, and you know sometimes you get some negative comments or whatever. And but eventually the balance. You know, I was recently. You know, I received a few emails from readers that were very touching to me. They shared their stories, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't care if I get. Uh, a thousand or a hundred thousand negative comments i'll probably continue this stuff because even if there's one person who you know might get something totally positive out of it it's worth it yeah yeah man that that that's awesome that's that that's the beautiful thing about this kind of stuff and and that's why i was really excited uh, when you, when you shared that you're doing podcasts to uh, to ask you to be on the, the podcast on my podcast and, and have a conversation and and like you I don't have any ads on the podcast and I, yeah. I actually stopped uh, doing interviews because most people had something to sell and I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I'm not I don't, I don't I don't obviously not naming names but um, you, you, at some point you just sense it and you know being inspired by you and a few other people, who do it for other reasons, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it uh, unless there's some real contribution. And I feel that you brought up so many important topics. And, um, you know, before we uh, wrap, wrap up, I had one more thing that I um, uh, had on my uh, uh, list of questions or topics that I wanted to talk to you about is okay. um, doing things by yourself. Like you, I also do a lot of things, uh, basically almost everything for my website and my books myself, and I get a lot of pleasure out of it. And and we talked about this topic already uh, earlier that you saying, uh, I wake up in the morning and I work, 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 and I get a lot of energy f- out of it. But ha- have you ever cl- come close to burnout? Or Because uh, the reason that I'm asking this is because I've received some of these comments of you know, people saying, well, what if you work too much? Right, like, what? What's your perspective on this? Um, yeah, of course you have to notice your own interest and energy, and if you're feeling burnt out or just overwhelmed, then yeah, you need to learn to delegate. Especially if you start getting cranky in the way that you're dealing with the world. Like maybe if you're just hating your inbox and so you're being cranky to everybody that contacts you. Well, <laughs> yeah, you need to stop doing that now because yeah. it's it's better to answer no email than to answer them in a grumbly, bitter way, right? So yeah, you need to help find somebody else to do that. Um, or a system that can mm, yeah. handle it for you. Or you know, or like that famous sci-fi author, just find a way of saying, sorry, I don't accept email or whatever it is. Um, for me, um, have I ever felt burnt out? No. Um, I mean, with some, you know, just the extreme examples like that, like anybody would feel answering 7,000 emails in 12 days <laughs> that, uh, of course on day yeah. two, I felt burnt out, but I was like, <laughs> have to keep doing it. Uh, I've, this is, you know, holding my end of the promise that, uh, I ask people a question. I've got to be here. Like I said, I would. So, you know, it's most of these things you just push through. I mean, that's, isn't that the essence of what will pla- willpower and discipline are, is doing the right thing even if you don't feel like it. Mm. So then what you do need to change is if you're finding you're burnt out, stop agreeing to things 
you know, stop saying yes to things and uh, finish your existing obligations and then find a way to take on no new obligations and make a change so that you're excited again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically saying that if, if you do feel burnt out or close to it, uh, you, you just see it as a sign to, um, well, actually basically say no to more things. <laughs> yeah, or just to make a change in some way. Yeah, maybe yeah. this, Maybe you're done with this aspect of your work and it's time to delegate that to somebody else or shut down the project or if this is something just is still worth doing, just find somebody else who's interested in doing it. Um, I think in 2020, it's going to be pretty easy to find somebody who wants a job, you know? Um, so if there's something that you can delegate uh, to somebody else uh, that you're sick of doing, then you should. Um, and... Yeah, or decide that it's time to walk away. I mean, you know, my CD Baby story. I was like, I only sold because actually of this thing that we're talking about. I wouldn't call it necessarily burnt out, but I was just feeling done. Mm -hmm. Like I had been doing it for 10 years. And for 10 years, I was obsessively fascinated with it. And at the end of 10 years, I felt like I often compared it to the painter who's been working on a giant mural for like a year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he puts a little bit of paint here and there and he steps back and he looks at the thing and he says, I think I'm finally done. Mm -hmm. Like I just had nothing more to add. I think I'm done here. So, uh, yeah, that's when I decided to sell the company because I could tell that I was done. Mm. Yeah. It, it, this, this stuff is so, you know, dear to me, just, uh, just reflecting on all these different things and just spending some time and making the the emotional or freeing up the emotional energy and mental energy you need to um to spot this actually you know i was talking about this recently with a friend and and one of the things we were talking about saying no more and i was i thought to myself as we were having the conversation i was like actually one of the most important things to me is as I eliminate a lot of things out of my life is that I'm just freeing up some mental space so I can just come up with new things or just notice and spot what's going on because otherwise I risk just being living my life in autopilot and I've done that and I really don't like that. So that's something that I want to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good point. Yeah, and you can definitely do that by uh, by saying no. So uh, I gotta say, man, I I truly enjoyed this. Um, this is probably the yeah the conversation that I looked out for a long time and definitely <laughs> did not disappoint. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, you had some uh, really great questions. So thanks for. Uh Spark, you know, you said 10 minutes ago, you said something like, you've brought up a bunch of interesting, like, no, you brought up some interesting stuff. I just answered. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for having me on your show. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Derek. And uh, I'll keep in touch with you. And uh, yeah, like m most people often at the end of these shows, they say, oh, where can, can we find you? We already know the answer. That's Sivers.org. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's the only place. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I mention you a lot on my newsletter and, and, and podcast, so people are familiar with your work. And uh, I would just say uh, keep on uh, following uh, what's going on, and I'm looking forward to your uh, book. Thanks, Darius. You too. All right, take care. Bye-bye.